Pictures. I'm your host, Brent Gunn, and with me as always is Mitch. Mitch, how are you? Uh, introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. This is Mitchell Kakalka, assistant community editor for Central Michigan Life, and cool dude, I'd like to say. So today we're talking about um, mental illness portrayed in film. Um, anyone who's listening to this is probably familiar or aware of uh, 13 Reasons Why, that Netflix series that mm-hmm. was on not too long ago. And whether you saw it or you didn't see it, you more than likely heard about it. And what you probably heard about it was that it wasn't really a portrayal of mental illness in a good light or in good taste. Mitch, you and I were just talking about that. Yeah, it kind of tried to it tried to um, frame the, prob- the problems of like depression and suicide through a very young adult-oriented lens, which is like a admirable, um, admirable thing like in venture, itself. Venture, yeah. Venture, yeah. Like um, – if if it was done correctly, which the general consensus would be that it did not yeah. um, portray um, these issues with a level of like respect and I guess like emotional realism that mm-hmm. and um which caused quite a lot of controversy for um uh, groups that focus on um, therapy and like mental illnesses. Yeah, definitely. Something else I, I heard from a lot of people is that it was really, really like melodramatic mm-hmm. in how it yeah. um, relayed information and kind of made these connections with characters. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where we're going off. We want to talk about films that we think are great examples of showcasing the struggle or some of the uh, complications that come with you know living with mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, we each selected two different films today, and we're going to talk about them both. I think we both highly recommend the films you know, yeah, to definitely. watch. Uh, Mitch, do you want to go with your first film first? Okay, so yeah, my first film is um, going to be the 1995 film Safe, directed by Todd Haynes. What the hell is going on here? It's in the air, in the water, in our homes. Oh my God. It cannot be seen, cannot be heard cannot be stopped. We can turn it on and off like a switch. We just don't know how to make it go away. It is not alien. Um, same director as uh, Carol um, from 2015 and uh, Velvet Goldmine, a couple other um, lesser-known films. Also Poison from Poison, 1990 um, or 91? I think 90, 91, I think. Yeah, that, very that early 90s. His yeah. first film. Um, um, a, a very... Um, not so much um, well-known within, like, mainstream cinema, but a very re- well-respected director and kind of um, underground, more like independent cinema. Especially in the, the queer cinema community. Yeah, definitely. Very, very high profile. Mm-hmm. And um, so Safe was a film he did in 1995 starring Julianne Moore. It takes place in late 80s, I think, in ni- um, 87. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, San Francisco, I believe. Um, in the I think it's like more of a nondescript kind of like California. California, suburb, very you know? like um, up like waspy, like upper middle exactly. class. Um, very sanitized. Mm-hmm. Very like, um, yeah. California aesthetic. Yeah. And uh, Julianne Moore's character named Carol is this homemaker. Um, not really. Um, personality wise, she's very. Uh, Almost robotic. Robotic in her adherence to kind of what um, late 80s um, expectations of womanhood were. Uh, again, she's um, kind of like an unemployed home homemaker. Mm-hmm. And she begins developing symptoms of what is um, 
later called in the film environmental illness, kind of um, the tagline that that one of the therapy groups that she encounters in the film is called. Um, the tagline is, um, are you allergic to the 21st century? Yeah. And, kind of, and it's kind of um, the idea of being um, allergic to, like, um, having, like, uh, health issues triggered by, like, Gas from like fumes, pollution, pollution, your, your, bug your spray, home technology, um, hairspray, and just some um, kind of like a very general um, sense of like chemical caused illness. And um, we Brent mentioned how um, Todd Haynes is ve- is very well respected in the queer community. Um, the film is kind of um, subtly, not so subtly, uh, um, depiction of um, the AIDS hysteria that ha- that was um, prominent at the time. Yeah. Um, they'll not like directly um, through through. Like, yeah, it was it was something that was going on in mm-hmm. you know the gay community of the time, mm-hmm. but it wasn't really addressed uh, yeah. politically or socially until mm-hmm. a little bit at, like too late. Mm-hmm. Yeah, partially. definitely. But um, yeah, she she develops all these illnesses like nosebleeds, and she attributes mm-hmm. it to her environment. Like she's just mm-hmm. she is uh, incompatible with the world around her, basically. Mm-hmm. And like her husband and her doctor f- feel that's just stress, or that she's all she's um, kind of a hypochondriac. She's making it all up in her mind, um, and and even like for the for even early in the film, it's kind of unclear exactly like what's going on with her. Yeah. I think that the film is pretty ambiguous mm-hmm. in, in a lot of things, and the film can definitely be read as this kind of like allegorical, you know, depiction of uh, you know AIDS, like how how you were talking about. Mm-hmm. But when I first watched the film, I was aware of those kind of like uh, that symbolism there with you know, mm-hmm. the HIV yeah. epidemic. But um, when I watched the film, I thought that her character was like just completely uh, disassociative. I thought she was completely yeah. just um, emotionally shut down because mm-hmm. she's so forced and ingrained into this very specific, you know, 80s woman role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't really seem fulfilled by it all. It's not mm-hmm. until she eventually gets ingrained in this very cult-like group towards yeah. the end of the film. This like very new agey, new agey kind new of like agey, ecology driven, yeah, um, like this deep health. social ecology type stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not until there where she comes kind of out of her shell in mm-hmm. an ex- to an extent, sort yeah. of. But um, the the film ends with her in. And by the way, there will be spoilers throughout this entire episode. Yeah. But the film does end with her essentially being locked away in this um, isolated kind of solitary confinement Mm -hmm. away from, you know, the film paints it as away from all germs, away away from all um, viruses, you know, whatever. And she kind of ends in this moment of peace, finally being just alone to herself. Mm -hmm. And I take that as someone who kind of just has this anxiety about people in general or just social interaction yeah i definitely say that's that's one um kind of thing you could uh, take away from the film um especially through julianne moore's performance she's incredible yeah definitely and um also kind of like the filmmaking cinematography the way todd haynes like shoots um interiors of buildings um kind of like how people like with the framing and like blocking like how people relate to themselves and themselves their environments and like others in their environments a lot there's a lot of um like just very um state very stationary station stationary the the film Um, isn't shot in a very human way because mm, it's not really this like 
humanly um, energetic film. It's a very mm-hmm. cold, mm-hmm. Uh, um, just stagnant film. Every cl- single shot is just mm-hmm. a steady uh, voyeuristic shot. Mm-hmm. If they're usually shot from a distance. The camera doesn't mm-hmm. really move at all. There's no real panning. It's like the camera is set in one location. The subject is there and the scene mm-hmm. goes. It's almost some critics have said kind of like alien how yeah, yeah. how the um, camera depicts like its environments. Um, Todd Haynes, he's mostly he's done a lot of kind of like romance movies and more romantically um, rom- romantically charged movies. But this is almost the closest he's done to doing like a horror movie. Yeah, almost. kind of like it's, a psychological it's a horror. It's a very movie. creepy movie. Yeah. And the very and which is why we're mentioning it does a very um good job of depicting um mental illness like through via its filmmaking, via like we were mentioning the shot composition, um the sound design. Um probably has some of the most realistic, I'd say, depictions of panic attacks oh, yeah, from Julianne definitely. Moore's characters that I've ever seen on film. And I think that you know, you as an audience, you really kind of side with Julian because mm-hmm. um, throughout the film, you can tell there's something very, very visibly um, not well mm-hmm. yeah. with, with her psyche. It doesn't really seem to be this the the whole thing of it being oh, it's it's the environment's pollution. Mm-hmm. It's obvious that that's kind of crap because like that doesn't really make sense. It's that the uh, environmental illness. Um, um, phenomenon is still like by the medical community kind of it's like a pseudo viewed as like a pseudoscience yeah. kind of but um, like she, she goes to like these doctor's appointments she tries to you know, find out what's you know going going on with her and throughout the film you kind of just feel for her because she's just trying through any means necessary to just find this inner peace and sometimes mm-hmm. it entails leaving her family and joining this strange cult mm-hmm. about this kind of new agey you know environmental wellness it kind of shows the lengths that some people are willing to go to feel that inner peace with themselves. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I th- that's how I feel like the, the film. I, mm-hmm. that, that's what I feel like it's trying to get across how the 80s was portrayed as this, you know, uh, beautiful time, this like worry free time. But yeah. I mean, not not everyone that was in the 80s obviously felt comfortable living in that kind of environment. Mm-hmm. And I think that with a lot of like Reaganism, you probably swept a lot of things, one, like AIDS, and two, uh, mental health completely under the rug. Yeah. And Todd, and that's kind of a, the theme that goes throughout there, all of Todd Haynes's filmography, kind of looking at the past um, through, the, through the lens of like how people looked at, the, how people thought um, during that time, but with kind of like um, context given to more um, issues that that um, were recognized more um, in the decades afterwards, like Carol, was like a this very beautiful '50s style um, uh, romance movie, only um, set th- um, f- through the frame of like a lesbian romance, which is something that was completely unheard of um, in the '50s, which when these kind of films were being made. The same as with his uh, film Far From Heaven. Mm-hmm. And Poison. Poison, Poison jumps yeah. through three different you know, time time lapses. Mm-hmm. It's like three shorts kind of going mm-hmm. over and over. But yeah, all of his work does that. Yeah, and like in this one especially, like, it has like a very late 80s, early 90s aesthetic, um, which is, I mean, like the same kind of visual – Visually reminiscent to me, kind of like of like the Saved by the Bell era. Um, yeah, I, I, um, I get what you're saying. Um, but obviously, like with uh, 
very subversive take on what um, individual mental health was, um, was like for people during that time. Yeah. So the next film that we're going to talk about is uh, my first pick. <clears throat> it's going to be uh, Manchester by the Sea. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a 2016. 16, yeah. Uh, directed by Kenneth Lonerman or Lonergan. Lonergan. And uh, this film is just incredible. I, 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 mm-hmm. First time I watched this movie, I was just completely blown away. Between me and your father, who would you take? My daddy. I think you're wrong about that. Hello, this is Lee. What happened to my brother? So that's Lee Lee Chandler. I don't think that there's a more um, just accurate portrayal of grief in in a movie. Uh, Have have you seen this movie? I have seen it, yeah. So you know know exactly what I'm talking Mm -hmm. about. So the film uh, basically follows Casey Affleck um, after the course of losing his family, his children, Mm -hmm. through, you know, a freak accident sort of. That he still blames himself for, um, even though he's not directly involved with it. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. But um, his brother passes away, mm-hmm. and the brother had in his will that he wanted his son to be raised by his brother, Casey Affleck. Now, Casey mm-hmm. Affleck, when we open the film, he's working as a plumber in this kind of uh, um, East Coast, Boston-type town. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he's very, very reserved. Antisocial. Antisocial. Kind of. um, just... He, he, He's very, very disconnected, just doesn't really seem to care about anything. Mm-hmm. And throughout, you know, as we're kind of being introduced to the character, we get a lot of cuts back to seeing him very happy, you know, like these cuts back in time to where he had his family, where his brother was still alive. And he was this totally jovial, very social, very charismatic guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> so he takes his brother's son in with him. And he's trying to connect with the son and raise the son and, you know, do what he can for his brothers now past. And the big climax of the film kind of comes when you realize that Casey Affleck's family passed from a home fire that he inadvertently caused due to some recklessness with alcohol. Mm-hmm. So the whole film is him kind of having post-traumatic stress disorder, dealing with this and the guilt associated with himself with you know causing this Mm -hmm. um there's a scene in the film where he you know pulls a cop's gun and tries to end his life in a uh, court it's it's a bit of a rough film to watch because it's Mm -hmm. very very just it's a very depressing film to watch. it doesn't pull like any punches at all um when depicting um the main character's depression and kind of how that affects himself um and his family life and it's not melodramatic if anything it's very very like dry and Mm -hmm. blunt but there's also moments of the film where um the son that he's now trying to raise you know is a little high maintenance Mm -hmm. so he has to like sacrifice a lot of the things that he would want to do casey affleck because he wants to really have this son be well off i mean he just lost his father you know Mm -hmm. um but casey affleck you know puts relationships on hold he doesn't really try to reconnect with his ex-wife, you know. Um, he's completely dedicated his entire life to caring for other people. There's this kind of selflessness to his character. Mm-hmm. But why I think the film is so great at portraying mental illness is because after you learn the fact of, you know, why he's in this mental state that he's in, 
every single action that he's performed throughout the film feels like something that, I mean, as as anyone who's dealt with grief, you can understand the idea of shutting down, the idea of being antisocial, being kind of nihilistic because of, you know, these things happening. And it's very clear that in the film he has something that would be portrayed as post-traumatic stress disorder, as I think almost anyone would losing mm-hmm. your family under, like, arson. I yeah. mean, it's such a life-changing, horrible thing. But the, the film is just the complete antithesis of, like, 13 Reasons Why. If you're, if you're a person who wants to see grief and uh, someone working through the process of rebuilding their life, even though they're in a very um, fractured mental state, you need to see Manchester by the Sea. Mm-hmm. And, um, and like, like I've mentioned, it's anchored by a very subdued but very realistic performance by um, Casey Affleck, which he, he won the Oscar for, Yeah, I believe. Well-deserved, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, Manchester by the Sea would be my first pick. And then uh, back to you for your second pick. So my second pick is, um, uh, I, th- I think, 1999 film um, by James Mangold called um, Girl Interrupted. You have the distinction of being the only senior not going on to college. I don't have a plan. I just don't want to end up like my mother. Susanna. They sent you to Claymore. The best place in the world for someone like you is less than a half an hour from here. Welcome to Claymore, Susanna. See, I've never seen this. I've always meant to see it, but I just never really got around to it. I've just seen it recently. Um, um, and so, um, and like this is this was one of the more popular ones, popular um, depictions of mental illness on screen. It's kind of um, the uh, the uh, female equivalent of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. Um, it stars um, Winona Ryder as a um, young woman in the 60s who, after a drug overdose, is committed to um, a psychiatric hospital. Um, and the film kind of follows her kind of um, out her like uh, acclimating herself and getting used to um, uh, living in this, um, this, this little secular community of um, – Kind of wayward women, women who've um, who uh, ver- with a variety of um, mental illnesses that were kind of swept swept under the rug, um, still today, but especially back in the '60s, um, including a um, probably Angelina Jolie in her um, most her first like very acclaimed performance. Yeah, anyone who as, talks about this film, they talk about mm-hmm. you know, her performance. And uh, she's like kind of like the go-to example of a supporting character who um, seals the show as, um, I believe the character's name is Lisa. She's kind of like a um, sociopathic um, young, wo- young woman during this time period. Um, and yeah, so um, like in the the... Earlier, the previous two films we talked about kind of dealt with how um, mental illness um, affects like individuals and like uh, in 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 Manchester by Sea's case, like individual like family units. This one, uh, Girl Interrupted, is kind of about how um, society in general looks at uh, mental illness, as well as like kind of the com- communities within themselves. Um, okay. Um, um, so that people, they can form around yeah people like this. mutually kind of dealing with similar struggles kind of mm-hmm. being there for each other to help them through these similar mm-hmm. struggles essentially 
Yeah. Um, and, um, there, and so it has like a great, uh, supporting cast. Um, um, Elizabeth Moss, um, from Matt, um, who will later be acclaimed for like her work in Mad Men, um, The Handmaid's Tale. She plays this younger, um, a younger um, woman with uh, she's like a severe burn victim, and she kind of has a very childlike perspective on life, and um, just a, a lot of other. Um, again, it's very reminiscent of um, one flew of the one flew of the cuckoo's nest. It's kind of a um, um, mix matched group of um, wayward people who yeah. come together and like find themselves in each other. Um, yeah, I, I've heard a lot of people recommend this film to me they mm-hmm. like people are always telling me how much they love this film um <clears throat> people usually tell me they love this film because they like they don't they don't think it's very melodramatic they think mm-hmm. it's another one of those good examples of a more kind of raw um mm-hmm. telling it like it is kind of story dealing with these yeah. things of mental illness or mental you know instability mm-hmm. you know what have you mm-hmm. but um yeah so girl interrupted that's your second pick, right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then my second pick is um one of my favorite movies of all time, mm-hmm. actually. It's uh, 2014's Mommy, directed by uh, Xavier Dolan. Écoutez, Diane, j'en ai vu et j'en vois déjà nous passer ici. On en réchappe quelques-uns et puis on se résigne à perdre les autres. La pire chose qu'on puisse faire à un enfant malade. Now, just like a little bit of warning going into this film. Like, it's not like, you know, extreme content or anything like that. It's French. Mm-hmm. It's French Canadian, mind you. Oh, yeah. It's, so yeah, Ugh, no. <laughs> but yeah, it's French Canadian. Um, it's shot in one by one aspect ratio. <laughs> so for people less familiar with um, <coughs> that particular ter- it's, it's um, a, it's term, it's a perfect it's, box. It's a box um, as opposed to kind of like the rectangular view that like film usually yeah, has. Yeah, like the, the black bars that are on your your you know screen when you watch a movie. Mm-hmm. Just. Yeah, the movie's a box, like how, mm-hmm. how you watch it. There's brief moments where the aspect ratio changes, and I assure you it's for a reason that we'll yeah, get Yeah, definitely. To. But um, this is one of my favorite movies ever. It's mm-hmm. such a beautiful movie. Um, what it basically is about is uh, this mother who, in this hypothetical scenario in Canada where this mm-hmm. bill has been passed that allows parents to turn their children over to the state, mm-hmm. just like very simple you don't really need intense explanations if you can't handle your kid give them to Mm -hmm. us we'll take it from there and this woman has a son named steve who the film hints at has a very severe case of adhd Mm -hmm. though i think the film also kind of makes the point that he's been misdiagnosed throughout his life Mm -hmm. um he has extreme violent outbursts he uh, doesn't really take school or anything too seriously. He's very, very narcissistic, um, very emotionally driven. He's he's really volatile, but he's also very, very protective and caring of his mother. Mm-hmm. And the film goes through them. Uh, the, the film picks up with him getting out of a youth detention center for burning a child that he mm-hmm. was in a det- detention center with. And his mother takes him in to care for him, try to get him back on track, get him in school and everything. And throughout the film, they have a lot of ups and downs in their, you know, progress with him. Uh, Unfortunately, the film kind of ends on a pretty low note because she realizes that it's going to be too much to take care of Steve. And she realizes Mm -hmm. that throughout all of her efforts, 
she feels like he's never really going to achieve the things that she wants him to achieve, going to college, getting married, having mm-hmm. a good job. She feels like he's too socially at odds with everything going on in the real world to mm-hmm. do that. So she commits her son against his will to this kind of facility. Um, it's a really heartbreaking scene when it does happen because it's about two hours into the runtime. You're not really sure what's going to happen. And when the scene happens, she drives into the center and he realizes what's going on. It's a really rough scene to watch. Mm-hmm. But um, the reason why I think it's such a great portrayal of mental illness is because it's another kind of family dynamic. Um, throughout the film, they have this neighbor who's also a tutor who comes to their house and tries to teach Stephen and help him get on track with schooling, too. And uh, the three kind of form this strange familial bond. Mm-hmm. And uh, you learn the dynamic of each character, but specifically with Steve's character, um, you learn how often people that are suffering from mental illnesses, whether they be like very intense or very kind of you know neutral, mm-hmm. are often not really known how to be dealt with. A lot of people kind of come ill-equipped, especially in like the parental role, to really help kids that need you know help they they need Mm -hmm. uh any kind of guidance that they can and i think the the harsh reality of the film is that the worst thing that you can do as a parent is give up on your child and that's essentially what happens in the film which is unfortunately kind of like a realistic portrayal of what happens in a lot of cases of um um uh family units that have um uh somebody within them with um who's struggling with mental illness especially um um, the kind of behavior that Steve portrays um, in the movie is more violent outbursts. More of a slightly sociopathic behavior mm-hmm. at times. But um, while he is, you know, intense, I wouldn't really say that he's, I mean, there, there's definitely abusive moments in the film between he and his mm-hmm. mother that kind of go both ways between the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you could point to the mother's neglect of him. You can point to his, you know, outbursts. But, I don't feel like I'm watching a film when I'm watching these characters. I feel like I'm watching Mm -hmm. like a PBS documentary about, you know, um, a person with a severe mental illness that can't really leave the home, that can't Mm -hmm. really be supported by themselves because of how severe their, you know, Mm -hmm. their situation is. And the way the film is shot um, is kind of um, reminiscent, I guess, like you said, PBS documentary. I'd say almost kind of like home movie-esque. There's, there, yeah, yeah. The way that the film is shot, it's it's a lot more energetic and moving than something like Safe. Mm-hmm, you know, definitely. There's, and there's also the soundtrack on the film. Mm-hmm. Like there's Oasis's Wonderwall. Well, the the best Lana use Del, of Lana Wonderwall. Del Rey's Born mm-hmm. to Die. Yeah. Um, yeah, like the just really – uh, blunt to the point uses of these like pop songs, these mm-hmm. very kind of you know everyone knows these pop songs. Like there, there's Counting Crows in there too <laughs> at, at one point, Colorblind. Um, and it's just cool because like whenever those songs are in the film, they're usually showing Steve and the main character's joy in yeah. life. They're they're usually moments like going back to the one one aspect ratio. The reason why the film does that is because. There's a great scene in the film where Steven is kind of finally getting his life on track. You as an audience are saying, wow, the film's actually going in a good direction. Mm-hmm. And Steven kind of breaks the fourth wall by literally pushing with his hands the aspect ratio to like a six, 16 by 9. Mm-hmm. He literally – because 
he feels so you know kind of locked into this world in this mm-hmm. small aspect ratio throughout the film. Even you as an audience, it's kind of hard to watch at first. You have yeah. to really get used to it, and then when he mm-hmm. pushes it out, to you feel the, this to sigh the of relief. Wonderwall. Yeah, yeah, to Wonderwall. <laughs> so he pushes it out towards Wonderwall, and you as an audience just like, oh, mm-hmm. this feels so much better. Feels like we're finally at a place of comfort. Mm-hmm. And then when reality sets back in, it's slow. The aspect ratio like slowly, slowly goes back to, to one by one. It does that at another in, point yeah. in this film where the mother is fantasizing about her son going off to college and meeting a, a girl and everything and having a great life. The aspect ratio goes out. They're at, you know, Stephen's hypothetical wedding. There's mm-hmm. violins. Everyone's having fun. And then as she realizes that Stephen's having like another outburst. Slowly, slowly goes back in closing back and reality in sets back in and she makes like the difficult decision of I have to I have to turn my son mm-hmm. over it, it's a really intense film if you have the patience for subtitles mm-hmm. uh, I can't recommend this movie a lot it's probably like my second favorite movie of all time it's just a mm-hmm. complete masterpiece yeah I can see see why you recommend it so highly so yeah that that's mommy that's my uh, second and last pick for the day mm-hmm. And uh, I believe that's that's all of our picks for yeah. today. Um, before we get going today, we just want to, you know, let anyone listening to this know there's a lot of uh, resources out there you mm-hmm. know, if you are struggling with mental illness. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, as I'm sure anyone who is a millennial is aware, uh, there is the suicide hotline. That's mm-hmm. a very good resource. Um there's things on campus, Mitch. Uh, we, we were actually just talking about some of these. Resources. Yeah, the um, Counseling Center located in Faust Hall is um, probably the best like, go-to resource for CMU students. And, and there's also um, Community Mental Health that's right on Crapo, right across mm-hmm. the street from the Laurels. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's no shame in trying to, you know, work, work through any kind of situation that you're having. Yeah, I think one thing that you can kind of take from what the films we've talked about, I mean, the f- we've had films from um, the 90s to like modern day, like these are th- these are things that people deal with, like yeah. a lot of people deal with. Um, and um, these films are kind of a testament to um, how, to, um, these films are kind of like a testament to um, the fact that there are people out there. There are a lot of people out there. Um, the fact that these films films got made with like such a um, with with all like the cast and production coming together is yeah. a testament to um, how widespread and how yeah. um, human like these issues are. Yeah, yeah. And something else that we can point to is you know mental illness varies in in all of these mm-hmm. films you know every single character is dealing with a different struggle a different mm-hmm. um uh problem that they're trying to deal with and you know what whatever someone may be dealing with out there i'm sure that there's someone who can help you you mm-hmm. know uh just you know if there's nothing else that you take away from this just remember that there are resources out there mm-hmm. and if nothing else maybe uh i know that me as a person who's you know suffered with depression something that's helped me is finding films I can connect with mm-hmm. characters I can connect with and make me feel a little bit more, you know, less alone yeah, in the world. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's the biggest benefit that these films can offer. Just the, this connection that I can make with, um, um, people who suffer through, um, behavioral things like this. All right. Well on that, uh, very uplifting note, this has been moving <laughs> pictures. Uh, I'm your host, Brent Gunn. This is, this has been Mitchell Kakalka. And thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you.